Well, it's my pleasure to bring the Word of God to us this morning. Um, if we've not met, I'm Dan, and uh, it's lovely to meet you. Um, so, um, it's great to come together, isn't it? It's great to worship together. It's great to be in his presence together. We come on a Sunday and we refocus on Jesus. We come and we recenter ourselves on truth. Yeah, it's so easy with all the stuff going on in the world, with all the different ways we have communicated to us, all the different news or social media, even just conversations. It's so easy to be blown around um, and, and just get knocked around and, and try and wonder what the truth is. But yeah, we come on a Sunday morning and we hear what the truth is. We, are, we become anchored in that truth. And, uh, you know, this morning we've just heard truth. As we've sung, we've sung about Jesus' sacrifice for us, that he laid down his life for us so that we could be redeemed, we could have a relationship with him. We've, we've heard about all the good things that we've declared, thanksgiving for all the good things he's done in our lives, haven't we? And we have anchored ourselves this morning, I believe, in truth. It was never, and it must never be, about how we feel. Or whether we liked the songs that Mark chose this morning. I did like the songs that Mark chose, just to say. But it must never be about that. You know, how many times, maybe, if we're honest, have we come away from a Sunday morning and gone, oh, I wasn't sure about that, or... Oh, didn't like that song. Didn't like the key they sang that song in. Didn't like how the meeting leader responded to that song. Didn't like that example the preacher gave. How many times have we come away thinking things like maybe maybe come away from a prayer meeting and we've thought, oh, that was that was just too loud. I wish they'd just be quieter in prayer. Or the other way, oh, I wish people would just pray. And and actually, we make it about these things, don't we? If we're not careful. But it was never about that. It was and is always about the truth of Jesus being revealed to us. Who he is and therefore who we are. It's not about a person on a platform. It's about a saviour on a cross. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It is all about him. And every week we come, this is why we come. This is why in Hebrews it encourages us not to give up meeting together. It's so that we come and we get re-established, re-centered around the truth. But this is not a new challenge for the church. This is not something that's new for 21st century church. It's not something new for 2023. It's not, it's not just a post-COVID thing. This is the very context of which 1 Corinthians was written. See, Paul starts the letter to the, one, to the Corinthians by giving thanks. And then he immediately addresses divisions in the church. Divisions that have come as a result of competition amongst each other and as a result of pride. And he encourages this, this young church, this fledgling church, that their focus must be on Jesus. Not, not on who leads them, not on who led them, even led them to Jesus, not on who planted it, which in Paul's case is him, but, but keep his focus on Jesus because it's his church. 
And chapter 1 of, of 1 Corinthians finishes with these thoughts in verse 30. It says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Our boast is in Christ. It's not in our worship style. It's not in how we pray. It's not on how good our coffee is. It's, it's about Jesus. Our boast is in Christ. It's his church we are part of, and it's his church that is being built. And that's why it's so important, as Sarah was sharing this morning, that we join with other churches, because it's his church globally that's being built. It's not about this, this warehouse in the middle of Paddock, Huddersfield. It's about his church worldwide, and God is building his church. And so over the new, next few chapters in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks very practically about what that looks like. He talks about what leadership looks like. He talks about spiritual pride. He even talks about marriage, and he talks about worship. And this is the context that Paul talks about spiritual gifts in. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One Corinthians chapter twelve, starting at verse one. I'm the new international version. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one says, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? We know the Holy Spirit presences himself with us because we say, Jesus is Lord. I stand there and I can hear people all around me declaring, Jesus is Lord. And immediately I know the Holy Spirit is here. That wasn't in my notes. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then let's just jump down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, 
And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. So, we asked the question, what are your favourite gifts? What's the best gift? I'd love it if some people just shout out. I heard one down here. What did Stella say? What was the best gift you've given? A unicycle. That's a pretty good gift. <laughs> and a trip to A&E, I imagine. <laughs> if it were me. Anything else? Your motorcycle. I see a theme. A car. Yes. <laughs> that was a Manchester United t-shirt for the recording. Um, <laughs> you said one love. Yeah. Yeah, Ruth bought me a remote control BB-8 from Star Wars. You know, the little droid. It's awesome. <laughs> Anyone else? Your kids and your grandkids. Amazing. Julie. Your boys, wonderful. You can. <laughs> so, so um, I've had many, many good gifts over the years, and, and my BBA is one of my gifts, favorite gifts. But I remember when I was a kid, the gift that I loved the most, the gift that I enjoyed the most, the, what I was possibly the most excited about was my Sega Mega Drive. Um, which, for those of you who don't know, is a, a computer games console with the original Sonic the Hedgehog on. And, and one of the reasons it was really good was because me and my brother share a birthday. We're, we're two years apart, but we share a birthday, and it's just before Christmas. So my parents, for one part, for, I can't remember which way around, for our birthday, they bought us a telly, little telly, and then for Christmas, they bought us the Mega Drive. So we, we like together, we shared this present, and it, and it was great. And, and, and I can't remember, I don't know, I had loads of gifts, but that one always sticks in my mind um, as, as one of my favourite gifts. But it's amazing, isn't it? The, the joy of, of giving a gift. Like, when I give a gift to my, my kids, I love it. I, get, I possibly get more excited than they do sometimes, which is, you know, slightly awkward. But <laughs> I, lo I love giving gifts. And, and equally, it's great to receive gifts, isn't it? And just the joy of sharing gifts together. God gives good gifts to us. We've heard this morning, um, to be honest, you know, I, I may as well have not come up here because you took off my preach, which is brilliant, but God gives good, good gifts to us all. Matthew 7 verse 11 says, if you then, speaking to us, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more Will your Father in heaven give good gifts? He gives good gifts, and he gives them to all his children. Now, we don't have time this morning to specifically go through each and every individual gift and kind of lay them all out. Um, we don't have that time. If you want to do that, can I encourage you to get involved in hubs? Because we're going to be doing that as we go through the Everyday Supernatural um, book together. 
But there are many different gifts. And in this passage alone, and this is not an exhaustive list, and there are other passages in the Bible with similar lists that have slightly different things. But in this passage alone, we read about the following. Gifts of service, messages of wisdom, messages of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, the gift of prophecy, the gift of distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And as I said, there are many, many other gifts mentioned in the scriptures, such as, I found recently, the gift of craftsmanship. In Exodus 31, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, of God with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. The gift of craftsmanship. It's beautiful. And so this is not an exhaustive list, but it is designed to show us the wide range of gifts that God graciously gives. The message phrases it like this. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. He gives the gifts and he gives them all for free because of his grace. There is nothing that you or I can do to earn these gifts. I can't pay for it. There's no, there's no contactless available at the back of the hall to get the gift of prophecy. I can't earn it. I can't do anything for it. God gives the, these gifts for free. They are all from God, all from his spirit. And therefore, there is no way I can boast in them. There is no way any of us can boast about it because it is all him. And I can't boast about using them because it is all through his spirit. But I love this, he says, after that little big long list, it says, eagerly desire the greatest. Now, I struggle with this a little bit because, like, <laughs> it's like eagerly desire the greatest. So are we ranking these gifts now? Now, I know it says first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, but I don't, I don't, I, that's not about like rank, and that's not about how good those gifts are and important. It's, I believe it's actually to do with their position in the church and their role in the church in terms of apostles. We need apostles to remind us who we are. And before anything else, we need to be reminded who we are. We need prophets because they tell us what God says. And so it, it's more about that than, than there's no, it's not a rank. An apostle is not like the CEO. <laughs> it's, it's about what their gifting brings to the church and how their gifting directs the church. And we thank God for the apostles, the apostles that have spoken to our lives as, as a church. But it's not about everyone in this room desiring to be an apostle. There's no ranking on the gifts. So I'm like, God, what does that mean? Eagerly desire the greatest of these. And I believe, and then, and then it was brought this morning, that, that what it means is don't limit yourself by what you think you can get. 
Don't limit yourself by what, you, what gifts you go after, what you, you ask God for. Every year I have an interesting challenge, as I've, I've talked to many people about this, um, when it comes to kind of my birthday and to Christmas time, my mum rings me and says, can you put some stuff on your Amazon list so that we know what to get you? Now the problem is, I'm 40, and anything of a certain price range, I probably bought myself. And anything that I really want is really expensive, and she's not going to buy me. <laughs> and, and, you know, when I was, when I, you know, like 20 years ago, when I came to, to uni as a student, I, I, my lifts would be full of things like CDs and DVDs and all that, but I don't need any of those because I've got Netflix and I've got Apple Music. Or, and, and, and so there's this kind of hole in my list, like <laughs> there's, there's a few little kind of things that I try and find to help her out. And then there's like really expensive stuff that I don't want to put on there. But it's not like that with God. Because God says, you know that thing that you really want, that thing that you really want to go after, that thing that you really feel I'm calling you to, ask for that. (laughs) Ask for that gift, that gift that you don't think you deserve. Ask for it. Go after the greatest. Don't limit yourself. Because, you know, everyone benefits. Verse 7 of that chapter we read says, they are given for the common good. The gifts of the Spirit are not just given to you and me for our own benefit. They are given for the common good. They are given for building up the church. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. So go on a couple of chapters. One Corinthians fourteen verses twenty six and twenty seven. So Paul's just talked a lot about um, the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, and this sort of thing. And then he says this: What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, or a word of instruction, a revelation a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. The gifts of the Spirit are not just for our own personal use. Now, God does give us gifts for our own to, to edify ourselves. We have the gift of tongues that we can, we can sing and we can worship him. I've like been doing this morning and pray in tongues and, and stir our spirits. But the gifts of the Spirit are not just given for ourselves. You know, some of the best gifts I've ever had have been ones that I can share with people. Not all of them. There are some. Like, I quite like my Kindle, Trev. And I can sit and hide away and read my, read my book. But many of the gifts I, I've both, given, both received and given are that I can share, they're the best ones. That's probably why I loved the Mega Drive so much, because it was mine and my brother's, and we spent hours playing together. We, uh, we recently gave Josiah a present, and he said just before, he said, I want this present because I want to play it together. I want to enjoy it as a family. And, and I'll be honest, that is a blessing. It's also a pain in the backside sometimes when you're trying to get stuff done and he just wants you to come and join in. But it's great because the four of us just 
just to hang out together. He's present, but we get, to, we get to enjoy it. Sounds good to me. Some of the best presents I've had, the best gifts I've had are ones I can share. And it's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. God gives us gifts so that he can see his church built up. Everything we do, everything we say, every gift we use is to build the church up. From the words we share at the front to the way we welcome people. From how our children are looked after and how people look after our children and the children of people that come into this place to the very smile that you get when you go over to that hatch and someone presents you with a warm cup of coffee. Everything we do is to build the church up or should be to build the church up. Everything we do must be done to build us up to see the bride of Christ made ready for their husband. That's what it's about. Building us up so that we're ready for when Jesus returns. That preparation that Sarah was talking about, that when God shows up, we're ready for him. Of course, this isn't constrained to Sunday mornings. And this passage is, is specifically talking about the gatherings, but I don't believe it's limited to our times on a Sunday morning. Because there is an enormous amount of building up that goes on outside of these four walls. God blesses our times together. The, these times in this place, like I shared at the beginning, they are vital in our walk with God. In his book, Live No Lies, John Mark Comer says this about Sunday mornings. He refers to them as an anchor to recenter our minds on truth and open our hearts back to God for healing and renewal. But then he goes on to say this. While church is not less than the Sunday morning, it is far more. And then he goes on to list loads of different expressions of the church. And to see this church built up in all these different expressions, we need the gifts of the Spirit used in places that aren't just our times together. There are, they are for any time and for any place where the church is gathered, whether in their hundreds, in their ones or their twos. Twos or threes, probably. Paul says we should all desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Slightly further, uh, slightly further up in chapter 14, he says, I wish that you would all prophesy. But I don't think it was ever meant to be limited to a Sunday morning service. You know, there's a prophecy that's quoted in Acts 2, but it originates from the book of Joel. In Joel 2.28, it says this, And afterwards, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then down to verse 32 it says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the Old Testament, prophets were rare. They didn't come around very often. In fact, the book of Samuel says the word of the Lord was rare in those times. And there was a barrier between God and most people. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and the subsequent outpouring of his Holy Spirit means that all can prophesy. And if we only think that is intended for our Sunday mornings, then we're missing out. And can I also say, can you imagine if all of us decided we were going to prophesy this morning? 
Just take a moment to think. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit goes alongside the Great Commission to go into all the world. So the gifts of the Spirit are for our Sunday gatherings, but they are also for our family hubs. They're also for those times when there's just a couple of us meeting. Maybe we're going for a walk or something like that. They're also for work. They're also for the conversation in the playground. But they are always to build up and to be used in the way of love. It's interesting to me that we have this passage in chapter 2 about the gifts of the Spirit. And then in chapter 14, we have a passage about how they are to be used. And in the middle is 1 Corinthians 13, which if most of us will know, is a very famous chapter, probably the most famous chapter in the, book, in the Bible on love. So 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3 says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Without love, it's nothing. Without love, it means nothing. I can prophesy, I can speak in tongues, I can even pray for people. But if I don't do it in love, it means nothing. Building up means doing it in love. But let me just say this. Doing it in love doesn't mean it's always easy and nice. And, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> doesn't mean it's just all kind of, oh, that was nice. I was encouraged this morning. Because God challenges us through his love. There's a story, if you've read the chapter um, for this week uh, in Everyday Supernatural, um, you'll know there's a story in there of when Mike Pilevacci got a word for someone. And it was a challenging word. And so Mike Pilevacci is the leader of Soul Survivor. He used to lead these massive festivals. And he had a word uh, that would convict someone quite strongly. And he, he said, I don't want to say that in front, of, in front of all these people. I don't want to... It can't be. And eventually he bought this word and he said, I believe there's someone here who's having an affair. And he stood there in front of several thousand people and he said, he said this. And then he said this, and I love this bit. He said, if that's you, at any point in the meeting, you can come down here and talk to one of the team or you can go to one of the counsellors after the meeting at any point. See, what I love about that story, he was obedient. I love, I mean, I, I, I'm amazed. I've, I've worked with Mike before and his obedience to God just blesses me. And so there's that obedience and that honesty, which I love. But what I loved more about it was how they dealt with it. See, God wanted to challenge. God wanted to bring someone out of a situation. But he did it in love. And I know for a fact there'll have been a conversation at the side of stage um, between them saying, I've got this word and I, I, I don't know how, to, what, how do we bring it. And I, feel, I really feel we need to bring this word, but we don't want to shame people. We want to see someone set free, but we, don't, we want to do this in love. And they very, very carefully pass away. They didn't ask this person to come to the front. 
<laughs> they said, if that's you, come. And, and if you've read the book, you'll know that this person came and basically her story was that she, she'd ha been having this affair and she'd said to God, if you want me to get out of this relationship, you'll have to tell me from the platform. So Mike was obedient, but he wasn't, he didn't just kind of go in, oh, guns are blazing. He went in with love and compassion. One of the marks of what God is doing in this time is his calling to holiness and repentance. If you've read anything about the Asbury uh, renewal, you'll know that people are just coming to the front and they are being convicted of their sins and they are just confessing their sins to God. And this may mean that God gives us challenging and hard-hitting words. And we should expect that. So I just want to give a couple of little bits of guidance here. The first thing is this. We don't move in the gifts of spirit in isolation. This isn't about a rogue prophet going around telling everyone all the bad things they've done. If you feel God has given you something that you feel is going to challenge somebody, then please draw someone in. Take wise counsel. Speak to a member of the leadership. Speak to a member of the pastoral team. Speak to your family hub leader. Draw someone in. Don't just go and bring a word to someone. Please, please. We do it in love. The second thing is this. We don't fill in the blanks. If God says to you a word, bring that word clearly, but don't go filling in, oh, I think it might mean this and this and this. Let God do that. And the third thing is this. People are free to respond how and when they want. God is going to direct their response. We don't shame people. We're not going to call people out in the front. <laughs> Our job is just to be obedient to what God has said. There are many different gifts. And the gifts are for everyone. They are for building up. And building up means that they are used in love. So I'm just going to share. Mark, can you come back up and just noodle? I knew there was a word we'd use for it. Um, I just want to share something that God has been speaking to me about. And then we're going to worship. God gave me a word at the beginning of the year, um, which I shared with some of the leadership team and some some uh, some other guys. He gave me this phrase: "The dawn is breaking," and uh, it transpires that that's a phrase that's in a song that I love, <laughs> and a song that had become like a bit of an anthem for me over the last year or so. And uh, this was like January, and of course, as Paul, I think, one Sunday pointed out, when we get to January, we often talk about the new day, because it's January. And I said to God, oh yeah, it's a new day, isn't it? And he said, no, the dawn is breaking. He was really clear, the dawn is breaking. And I said, what do you, what do you mean, God? Why? What's the difference? And he took me to Genesis. <laughs> 
And how many of you have ever realized that in Genesis, it, it says there was evening and then there was morning and that was the day. I can't remember the exact phrasing. But the day starts in the evening. And Jewish, Jewish tradition still, the day starts in the, in the evening. That's why Sabbath in the Jewish tradition starts on a Friday evening and goes to a Saturday evening. And there was this sense that it's, God was saying, look, in a way it's not a new day. There's stuff that's been happening. But there's been darkness. And I've been preparing things in the, in the dark. But now the dawn's breaking, and I'm going to show them to you. And you know, as a church, we're, this year is, is a bit different. We're going through a journey. Things are changing for us as a church. And for some of us individually, things are changing. And, but in that, God says the dawn's breaking. And when you look out, you don't have to go around. Like I, I take the dog out in the dark sometimes and I've got a torch and I can see this bit in front of me, but I can't see anything there or there. But as the dawn breaks, suddenly all these beautiful flowers that have been growing appear. Suddenly I can see the landscape. You, know, you can stand on a hillside in the dark and you can't see anything. And then as the dawn breaks, suddenly... There's this massive vista in front of you, this beautiful vista. And it just said, so, so the song, God took me to the song, and it says, the dawn is breaking. Lift your eyes to see, he's better than you dreamed. Everything you lost, love's returning. And some of us have been through dark and challenging times. Some of us have struggled with some of the things that God's asked us to do over the years. Some of us have maybe put down some things. But God says, lift your eyes. The dawn's breaking. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Trevor Shotter spoke a few weeks ago and he said, he said the, the buds are starting to come up. Can you see it? Everything you've lost, love's returning. And I just felt, and then very much confirmed this morning, that there are people who have had gifts in the past. And they've maybe moved in some of these gifts. And then for whatever reason, they've stopped. Maybe they've been disappointed. Maybe there's, they've had their own personal struggles. Maybe just circumstances. And God wants to, to restore those to you. There are people who have the gift of healing and you're like, God, I've not seen anyone healed. And God wants to say, lift your eyes to see. The dawn is breaking. There are people who have heard God speak clearly the prophetic word. And we need that in these days. We need to hear the clear voice of God. And he is going to restore that to people. People who've moved in that for before. And so we're going to sing this song. And I just want to encourage you as we do, just as we've already been encouraged, just to say, God, 
God, come and give me those gifts. Restore those gifts. And maybe the reason that you've had to lay some of those things down is because God wants to restore them in his love. Maybe some of those things became a burden. And actually God says, love's returning those things.